2: Happy Friday. What's up? It's Sean here with another episode of Locked on Raptors. And on today's show, it is the mailbag episode that was supposed to drop yesterday. Had some tech issues ruined the episode we recorded yesterday with our good friend Jamar Hines. But that's okay. Jamar is going to be back next week. And Katie Heindel is here as we take your mailbag questions on our favorite underappreciated Raptors of all time. Scotty Barnes and one of our favorite moments of his rookie season and a whole bunch more. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1080 of Locked on Raptors for Friday, December the 17th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at Woodley Sean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Plus, you can go to your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Odyssey, all of those. And please subscribe and or rate and or review and whatever it is they tell you to do on those apps to support the shows you like, I think follow is a thing you can do as well, so please do that. And it's much appreciated, and it's for the low, low price of free. You can also subscribe to the YouTube page for free as Well, and a big thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. All right. On today's show, we are doing a mailbag episode. I answered a lot of these questions on a doomed episode that will never see the light of day yesterday because I forgot to plug in my microphone. That's the kind of week we're having over here. Um, But it's okay because our guest from yesterday, Jamar Hines, will be back on Tuesday to break down next week's Orlando Magic game, if it happens. And uh, joining me today to roll through these mailbag questions is the wonderful Katie Heindel. Katie, how are you?
3: i'm good what you said kind of reminded me of what our mutual friend and locked on blazers host mike richmond was saying his week was going like Mm -hmm, he had mm -hmm. some he said he had some gaffes some errors some recording (laughs) snafus i just feel like it's that kind of week but i'm i'm okay so far so good
2: this is what I get for uh, breaking my work-life balance situation I've set up. Like Usually my laptop, it's at my desk, and I try to not bring my laptop out of the office so mm-hmm. I can just like do my work here. And then when I'm in the living room and make my, my, my commute home, I'm not touching work. And for one night, I unplugged my laptop, I took it out there, and then I brought it back in here and forgot to plug in the microphone for an episode that, again, we'll never see. The light of day. It was a good one. It's a real damn shame. Jamar's audio was great for what it's worth. Uh, mine was sounded like I was at the bottom of the sea. Uh, Katie, we got mailbag questions. Let's dive into these, shall we? Uh, let's begin with the fun one because who doesn't love talking about Scotty Barnes? He's the very best. We all love Scotty Barnes, and this question comes in from Dylan Littman asking for our top five Scotty Barnes moments of the season. So far Katie it's a rich rich (laughs) uh category here for us to dig through we don't have to necessarily do five and have like an enumerated list we could just kind of go back and forth and riff on Scotty Barnes and all of his splendor Uh, let's start with you Katie what's one of your fave Scotty Barnes things so far this season
3: um probably like I won't break the I want to break these all into individual moments because I think they were all pretty fantastic but uh his excitement when he is like announced, especially in the home opener, uh yep. and the weird like the weird walks he does onto court. <laughs> um actually one I will split, I will split off uh that happened mm-hmm. recently is when he wiped out in the tunnel running yes. out from the back because <laughs> I think it like perfectly kind of encapsulates the exuberance of Scotty Barnes uh in mm-hmm. that he can like take a spill like he really took a spill like he went flying yeah.
2: potentially dangerous yeah <laughs> into the
3: side of the tunnel um and that's like i've hit those th- i've like pressed myself up against those things to get out of people's way uh it's hard and he like yeah. hits it and then he kind of just springs back up uh and then just is is laughing and smiling and just continues to go running back out onto the, <laughs> the court that's pretty good. That's
2: a really good one. I Man, when, when we answered this question on yesterday's uh, dead podcast, uh, did not even <laughs> think of that one. That's how good this is. This, how, how, this is such a great question because there's so much to dive into. Uh, I'll go with one for me. I, I think the first game against the Celtics, the second game of the season where they just completely run the Celtics off the floor in Boston, they went by like 32 or something, if I recall. Scotty goes for 25 and 13. The offensive boards were the big thing in that one. He had six offensive boards, was just crushing whatever haphazard front court the Celtics were slapping together at the time. And that was really fun. But the Mm -hmm. thing that really stands out to me from that game is the first instance of him rising up from the mid-range and just like casually canning an 18-footer. A thing that he was just like purported not to have in his bag in any way, shape, or form coming into the draft and into the, you know, the offseason and coming into his rookie year. And it was like, oh, okay, uh, this <laughs> changes things if this is gonna be a thing that he's doing. And and it's still to me, I find it to be, I'm curious what you think on this, but I'm still finding it hard to sort of like wrap my brain around whatever he does pull up from mid-range, whether it was a couple nights ago against the Kings when he's pulling up from 20 feet at the end of the quarter and just like, yeah, I'm just going to put this up with a dude in my face and it's no big deal. Obviously, the crossover and step back three against Kevin Durant on uh, Tuesday. What the hell day is it? Who knows? Uh, Tuesday against the Nets. (laughs) Like, all of it's very thrilling, but I still have not yet to like, normalize it in my brain are you still having trouble like sort of accepting that scotty barnes can just do this stuff now or is it a situation where you're just looking at it whenever he pulls up you just expect it to go in
3: i don't think it looks weird i'm not not getting like i'm not getting used to it i think um, with scotty barnes i kind of talk myself into anything that he can do like we're gonna see his skills unfurl so slowly, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some cases they're pretty accelerated, like the shooting as of late. Yeah, um, and the fact that no, he's just every- like
2: one of the best defenders alive, all of a sudden. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> everything is just like a very nice uh, bonus and like a, a mm-hmm. great gift, basically. So, no, mm-hmm. I'm I'm when he when he pulls up for those shots, I'm not like like scared. Yeah. I'm like, all right, let's let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to say another one for me too is when uh in the nets game him -hmm. just like being up against durant and like seeing like oh like they're the same size Mm -hmm. um that's the thing that's i guess maybe that's the only surprise for me with scotty is like seeing his um his assignments this season and being like well that guy's gonna be much bigger than him like he might get out muscled Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) he's just the same size as everybody (laughs) Yeah, if
2: if he's like uh, amorphous in terms of his size and he Mm -hmm. just like his size. It's like a chameleon. It just matches the occasion. And so like goes up against Joel Embiid. It's like, oh, he's seven foot two now. That's wild. Crazy.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think Um, uh,
3: there was a good sequence in that game uh, when he kind of like backed back Durant into the paint and then he just did this like Mm -hmm. shimmy shake hop back out and just like shot right over his head. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> I, okay, this is going to be separate. I know I'm skipping you, but I just thought of it. That's but fine. It's like Go nuts. Stuff like that reminds me of um, his really off-balance shots, like his hook shots, yeah. these shots that you're like, there's no way this is going to make it. And then he mm-hmm. kind of just manipulates his body and midair uh, in the most awkward way to get like the smoothest yeah. shots. So those are all pretty sweet, too.
2: I'm always taken aback by his like delicate touch in traffic mm-hmm. where it's like as soon as he rises, rises above like the, the massive arms and bodies, he just like has this like glorious path to the basket where he can just like figure out the exact weight to drop it in for like just all all net. It's beautiful. I love it. Um on that note of the Nets game as well, I guess this could be one of the best things he said all year too. Uh, he was asked after the game about like the length of Kevin Durant and whether it's difficult to shoot over, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Not no. Like once I go up, I'm just kind of like over him. Like, he's it's just he's just a guy. <laughs> it's like holy shit. All right, yeah, this is what we're doing. All right, uh, that that works for me. Um, other Scottie Barnes moments, man. There's so many. I mean, I think that game against the Knicks last week, and specifically. That section where he had like all of those blocks and sort of just like excellent plays around the rim, the contests and things like that to help help keep that game within reach for the Raptors. I mean, obviously, their offense was not very good that night, but they kind of subsisted on mostly Scotty Barnes's defense and that stretch where he had like the contest and the recovery for the block. That to me was just like, oh, he's good at defense now. We don't have to have any questions about this. Like he's just good at this now, and that changes the game because he has been not so good at this for big chunks of of his rookie season, and now he's just swatting shots everywhere. He, of course, he's the five blocks against the Kings the next game out. Um, That's another thing where it's just like, you know, I know he was branded as a good defender coming out, but. It's still shocking to see just like the quick evolution from guy who doesn't really know where to be. He's basically tall Matt Thomas on defense to, oh, he's the anchor of everything they're doing now. And it's amazing. And he can play any position he wants. It's a delight. Uh, do you have any last Scotty Barnes moments here before we move on to some other mailbag questions? Katie?
3: Um, You know, I really liked his early, early friendship with Goran Dragic. And I feel like he hasn't really, there isn't a replacement. But that's okay. Yeah. Friends are like that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you don't find friends
2: Yeah. Yeah. Bring Goran back. I, I'm fully on bringing him back and playing with the bench. And uh, <laughs> actually, maybe that goes into the next question that we have coming from our friend Freddie Revis. It's going to come on the other side of the break. We will get to that in one second. But first, got to tell you about our friends over at True Bill, who you know by then, by now, I've talked about them a ton on the podcast. True Bill is a company that is designed. For me, and it probably for you as well, because guess what? We all have subscriptions we don't want to pay for anymore that we've forgotten about. We signed up for the free trial of some sort of program or product, and then after 30 days, we just forget that, oh, our card's going to start getting charged now, and then you're screwed. Well, Truebill is here to stop you from paying for the subscriptions that you no longer want, need, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to 720 bucks a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel Truebill is there to make it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. This is the only product we've ever had on the podcast advertising that comes with a concierge. That is incredible. And let me tell you, I have signed up for so many things that I don't need. The e-card site that I've talked about in previous editions of this ad read is still the one that stands out. I signed up for e-cards to send a birthday card to my sister last year during COVID, and I did one card. It was fine. It was probably like $3 worth of software that I used, and I ended up paying $50 for a whole year of Punchbowl because I'm a fool and I forgot to cancel it, and they charged by the year. So... Don't be like me. Don't pay for unnecessary e-card sites, other things like that. And stop falling for subscription scams today by canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year at Truebill.com slash NBA. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Sorry to leave the question up during the ad read. That's bad <laughs> production on my end, but whatever. Let's continue on and dig into a uh, next question. This one comes from Freddie Revis, as promised, a frequent question asker and uh past and future guest of the show. Freddie asks, if this squad starts rolling at some point and establishes some kind of bench mob, who might be the catalyst for said Mob, Katie, we've seen lots of different iterations of the bench so far this season. Gary Trent Jr. with the bench guys. Scotty Barnes with the bench guys. Usually, the starter who plays with the bench guys performs just fine. It's the bench guys who typically do not play so hot. Uh, I'm curious. Is it someone who's maybe struggled so far this season, who you think could turn it around that could change the fortunes of the second unit? Is it someone who's in the starting lineup who will be dropped in as a mercenary for the second unit to potentially turn it around? If the Raptors are to achieve themselves a bench mob, how do they do it? And who, from whom will that success sort of, uh, radiate? I don't know. I'm just doing hand talking now. (laughs)
3: well first i read that question wrong and i thought it said squid so i was like what is that freddie like (laughs) new terminology i'm not aware of red light green
2: light yeah yeah Uh, this squid starts (laughs) rolling
3: uh i think like scotty will be in that second unit sometimes um Mm -hmm. so i think he would be probably the natural captain uh and natural energy driver as he's Mm -hmm. as he is wherever he's playing and whoever he's playing with on the floor um in terms of more uh, like a more consistent second unit leader the the nice thing kind of is is it could be so many guys i mean Mm -hmm. but that's like that's the double-edged sword right Is like the flip side of that is there's nights when those guys are also not necessarily the most productive um but like i could see it being utah like i could see it being speed I could see it being Chris Boucher, you know, like I could see a lot of these guys um, being the go to guys are like the leader of that. But it's a, that we haven't really had a consistent bench yet. And mm-hmm. I guess I am still of the mind that the Raptors bench, to use a word you used earlier, is kind of a morph, almost a metaphysical mm-hmm. concept at this point. I'm <laughs> fine with that. I like, you know, I like the fluidity of it. And I think it's been necessary thus far. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so perhaps like, sorry, Freddie, if that's a cop out, um, because <laughs> I don't, I can't just pick like one guy. We haven't really seen it yet.
2: Yeah, I think for me, like we saw the Scotty with four bench guys work on Monday against the Kings. Didn't Mm -hmm. quite have the same success against the Nets, which should tell you something about the Kings, considering the Nets were playing with like two NBA players uh, (laughs) and still (laughs) managed to stymie that second unit for the Raptors. But I do think Scotty as sort of the vehicle to get the second unit going is interesting to me. I think for sure, based on the way Scotty has played center lately, Mm -hmm. it has like protected the rim. You start with your best five when you're fully healthy. You go Fred, Gary Trent Jr., OG Siaka Barnes and start games like that. And then at like the five or six minute mark, yank Scotty out, put in one of Kemmer Precious and then bring Scotty back in with the second unit. And, And I also think, bringing Gary Trent Jr in along with Scotty to sort of be the the sort of tent poles of that second unit that's I think the way I would go right now you know the Pascal Fred combo works really well I don't want Fred to be the Kickstarter of the second unit because that means he'll play 49 minutes a game and we don't need that uh, but I do like the idea of Trent kind of being that spacing agent the guy who can offer a little bit of shot creation when Scotty is maybe bottled up but you give Scotty agency over the second unit that will help I think, Ensure sure, he's still getting shots up when OG comes back and there's just more shots to go around for more guys. Mm-hmm. And I think it gives that second unit two dynamic offensive players. And then you sprinkle in Utah, sprinkle in a little Precious Achua, maybe Kem Birch. And then, honestly, my dream second unit right now features Goran Dragic. I don't know where he's at. Are they bringing him back? I have no idea. Call him up whatever beach he's on and please bring him home because I think Dragic in the second unit with Gary Trent Jr., Yuta Watanabe, Scotty Barnes, and then pick your poison for the center. That, to me, is the second unit that you build this team around. And I, you know, look, I have no idea what their plan with Drogic is. If they want to trade him, they're going to have to bring him back and play him at some point, you would think. And maybe this is the way to do it and kind of juice his value. Play him alongside two good players. You get a lot of ball handling out there between Drogic and Barnes and Trent and utah i mean that's like a lot of decision making and playmaking you have out there along with play finishing that to me if i'm like building the rotation is kind of my dream second unit and it's led by two starters and i don't think that's a surprise considering the starters have carried the day for the raptors all season long and the more of those guys you can sprinkle into the second unit and ensure they're all getting their shots up to me that is the way to go about things but um we'll see Bring back Drogic. Uh, I'm fully on this train. All right, where are you on Drogic? Do you want him back? Like, or are you just like cool? I with don't him think hanging he's out coming he back.
3: Yeah, I don't think he's coming back. Um, I but, like. Come- how do they trade him then? I don't understand it. I think they had a conversation with him at the beginning of the season, um, mm-hmm. to that end. But I also don't. I don't know. I don't. I. I. I guess I align myself with the front office in this decision and that. I think. Mm-hmm. For him to leave so abruptly, I really don't think it was just like a him not having a good time in Toronto thing. I think mm-hmm. there was probably something else going on. So mm-hmm. that's all the best to that guy and his family, if that's the case. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to trade him. That's why we're not front offices, you and I.
2: It's true. This is very. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to deal with this problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's continue on here. Get some more questions in. This one here comes from... Hmm. Uh. Okay. This one comes from Manstar Forty Four. If Mo Bomba or Wendell Carter are available, should the Raptors try to land one of them? Uh, Katie Bamba, Carter, both playing pretty well for the Magic this year. Bamba, mm-hmm. like, kind of moved into the role Ken Birch was occupying and is now shooting threes and is blocking shots at a pretty high rate. Um, I- I'll detail my thoughts on this after you go. But what are your sort of uh? Opinions on whether the Raptors should be targeting a guy of a Bomba or Carter's level for their replacement center of the future
3: Yeah, I like Mo Bamba uh, a lot. I think he had a pretty rough last year and a half So it's nice to mm-hmm. see him back on court um, Like not just contributing but kind of excelling and, and finding a role that really works for him Like that's kind of why actually why I would be hesitant to grab him because like when you see players um, Whether they're Exploding or just like kind of fit really nicely uh, on a lineup on another team, and that's what kind of peaks your aid. It's it wouldn't be such a fluid, um he wouldn't have such a fluid, I don't think, on, on the Raptors right now. Um, just by virtue of like mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys vying for the role that he would play, and now that a lot of the Raptors yeah. have gotten used to, I think, like shifting you know, and like getting as close to positionless as the team can get. Um, mm-hmm. I don't fit necessarily. I like the idea. I also think he's just like, he's a great person. So he would be a good fit in, yeah. the, in that <laughs> regard too. Um, yeah. And Wendell Carter, I'm not, I'm not so sure. I guess like I it would, I would be kind of in the same, my hesitancy of like getting a role, like kind of more role player player like that is we mm-hmm. the, the Raptors currently have so many options that they're still yeah. t- kind of trying to sift through that. I don't know how good uh, I have an idea it would be to add another person to that mix.
2: Yeah. If I'm picking between the two, I would say Bomba is the one that interests me more for sure. Mm-hmm. But also this is my whole thing with the Raptors center situation. I know people are clamoring. They need a center. They don't, they're not big enough. They're bad at rebounding. And all of those things are true. They're bad at rebounding. They're not very big and certain matchups are going to give them trouble. But, like, Ken Burch is a perfectly serviceable center right now. He just hasn't played. Precious Mm -hmm. Achua has become a really good defender. He's been an excellent back line in the Raptors' aggressive system. And, yes, his offense is uh, not awesome, but, you know, you can make up for that in other ways. And he has oftentimes outplayed his poor offense with his defense and made it so it's justifiable to have him on the floor. I just don't think Bamba or Carter are the types of guys that you go out and sort of shake up that rotation Four And I honestly right. had this, this was my thing with the Turner and Sabonis thing as well. I think it extends to even higher level guys like the Raptors probably have one shot to go and get their center of the future. Who's that building block to sort of, you know, go forward with and try to win a title with whenever that window comes along. And I don't necessarily think any of those guys, the 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 magic guys, the Pacers guys are good enough, like game changing type players to warrant changing up what you're doing right now and moving on from Birch and who you still yet to really see how they all fit in. And not to mention, like we've talked about their best five is going to feature Scotty Barnes playing the five a lot. And he's been really good in that position, both on defense lately. And as a sort of short roll guy on offense, that's where he's like the most effective and dangerous. And so They have options at center. It's not like they're out there with only, you know, Stanley Johnson playing small ball five. They have lots of guys they can throw in there. Sure, if they come up against a Joel Embiid in a postseason series, that's going to be a problem. But they're not in a position in their competitive window wise to worry about, oh, no, this one matchup is going to doom us in the playoffs. Because losing to the Sixers in the playoffs is what's supposed to happen this year if they get that far. That's a success if they make it to a playoff series with Philly. And so I am not, like, pulling the trigger on a center move anytime soon. If you can get some cheap depth for, you know, a buy low or or find someone for, you know, a second round pick and, you know, whatever piece you want to throw away, fine, go for that. But I don't think Bamba or Carter, who you're going to have to pay a lot for, who the Magic just paid a lot for to get, uh, or I guess the, the Magic didn't pay a ton to get Carter. They traded Vucevic, but they were happy to do that deal. But like, Bomba is a first round pick for them. He's actually showing something for them. I don't know why they would want to trade him. And so you're probably buying high and, you know, have to put a lot of stuff into a deal. Probably a first round pick at this point with the way Bomba's played. I I just don't see that being a move they have to make right now. They're not under any duress to go get a center. Injuries have kind of amplified their issues there, but they have more than enough guys who can eat minutes at that spot and be totally fine outside of like two or three matchups where they're going to be in some trouble. So. There's my rant on the center situation. Yes, they need one eventually, but they do not need that guy right now. Let Kem Birch cook. Let him do floaters. It's fun. Um, Katie, we're going to round things out. We're going to talk about some old favorites in just a second and round out the show. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at Built Bar. They are delicious they're the best tasting protein bars in the whole wide world and you get the best of both worlds they're both delicious and they're healthy for you you got a ton of flavors to choose from for any mood mint brownie cherry double chocolate cookies and cream peanut butter brownie and they have limited time flavors on the site all the time especially during the holiday season rumor has it there's caramel macchiato floating out there somewhere go to built.com and snap that up and then mail them to me please because those sound delicious built bar gives you that extra fuel to run through the malls battle the holiday shoppers go to that extra party you have to go to and they are also a thing you can throw into a stocking they're so easy to wrap as someone who's terrible at wrapping presents why not just throw something that's already wrapped into somebody's stocking that is the way to go and if you want to cozy up with something warm here's a little holiday hack for you you can dip your built bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa let it melt a little bit becomes a nice delicious indulgent treat that's not too bad for you and if you like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays as well i don't necessarily but lots of people do You need to get your hands on Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. And as someone who does not like marshmallow very much, I find these puffs to be quite delightful. So go in and get your hands on some. There's different flavors, all covered in chocolate, and they taste so good, you won't believe that they're also filled with protein. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's Built.com with the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. Go do it. And today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at betonline.ag who have you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues its march towards the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts.
0: Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too. In person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app, State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: All right, Katie, let's round this out. The next question here comes from our pal Eric Morris, Epic Mopus on Twitter. And he asks, who are former Raptors who weren't good enough to have their numbers retired but should be remembered more? Let's remember some guys, Katie. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure you're going to throw Amir Johnson out there. That's totally acceptable. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you can go either on an Amir Johnson uh, rant if you'd like or you can throw somebody else in there as an old fave who should be beloved a little bit more in these parts.
3: I mean, you know I love... This is like where I shine. Um, Uh Let's see. Amir Johnson, obviously... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Jose Calderon I mean I don't think people have forgotten him but like yeah you know probably he's not gonna get his number retired but what a wonderful the fact that he gave
2: the keys over to Kyle Lowry essentially yeah Uh, Really kind of, yeah. like, it's a tough act to have followed you, you know? No one's listening to the opener when, uh, you know, 1979 Pink Floyd hits the stage, you know?
3: <laughs> sure. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh-huh.
2: Maril- Sorry, Pink Floyd on the brain, because uh, yesterday in Hamilton, there was like a rapid test pop-up site. Uh, and people camped out as though they were buying Pink Floyd tickets when the wall came out, uh, and, and all of them were gone by 9.02 a.m. They opened at 9. Good times. Great province we have. Carry on. Yeah. That you're a time traveler.
3: <laughs> yes, from yes. A different <laughs> era.
2: Um, you from You can't see it, but I'm wearing bell bottoms right now.
3: Uh, <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Um, I think Greg Monroe wh- – why didn't they give Greg Monroe a ring? And yeah. also on that note, why the hell hasn't JV gotten a ring like? Yeah, also you that. don't start to be chintzy with the rings. Like, yeah. I know this is like years ago, a conversation, but like, I'm still thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Don't be chintzy with the rings for people who like built your team to the point where it was the team it was.
0: If
2: Eric Moreland gets a ring for yes. that year, I'm sorry. JV, Delon Wright, CJ Miles all get one as well. Like what yes. are we doing here? And Greg Monroe, of course.
3: Yeah. And sweet, <laughs> sweet Greg. Um so Greg did nothing yeah. wrong,
2: by the way. He just happened to be on a team that made a trade for Marcus All and they had to do cap chicanery yeah, to exactly. survive the laws of the league. Yeah. It broke my it's damn Greg heart, Monroe's fault. <laughs>
3: that's what happened. Um, yeah. who else? Let's let's remember Psycho T as much as we can. I've never mm-hmm. forgotten him, but I do mm-hmm. think some people uh, don't know are starting to not get the reference when I say psycho T, which is worrying to me. Um, oh, it's all
2: those new Raptors fans there's a twitch is fine and beyond. We yeah we need
3: new Raptors fans totally. like, you know like it takes School kinds. yourself on
2: the history would you
3: but like psycho <laughs> like come on you and you don't hear that name and aren't a little bit like huh that's like a person I should get to know yeah um let's see this here's a real outlier but this, for me uh John uh-huh. Sammons was a very
2: yeah I can't <laughs> weird, get you. Can't, really can't go there on that one Close not to my heart. Me. not for me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Those were really dark days. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, you'd latch on. You'd latch on to whoever whoever you could.
2: Well, that's the thing is that was the first good year when he was on the team, and it's like you. There are other things to like about this team, including Psycho T. You don't have to get on board with uh, John. I was just Sammons, on board with
3: everybody. But... It's okay.
2: <laughs> were you also on board with Nando DiColo that year? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Still I think the Raptors have his restricted free agency rights. It's a annual rite of passage to see Blake Murphy tweet oh, about baby. that.
3: Bebe, let's remember Bebe more.
2: Yep. Love Bebe. Yeah. That guy heart. as far as like dudes to deal with as a media person, Bebe right near the top. Wonderful to like get, get stuck in an elevator with that guy. Probably like Mount Rushmore of guys you'd want to be stuck in an elevator with which happened to me once. He's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we weren't stuck. We just had like a five floor ride and it was fun. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, I'm trying to think back to like the days that were a little darker and like the, I mean, here's the thing. Anthony Parker gets forgotten. He only played like a couple years with the team. One of them was that really good year where they won 47 games. Sam Mitchell won coach of the year. They were the third seed in the East. They lost to the Nets in the first round, but that was a fun year altogether. And, This is, I know this is a segment about remembering and honoring guys more, and this is not me denigrating the memory of Morris Peterson necessarily, because Morris Peterson was a beloved guy, we love Mo Pete, but... Anthony Parker was a better player than Morris Peterson during his time with the Raptors. And he doesn't really get the love for that. And I think Mo Pete kind of gets the shine of like the wings during that age of like the Chris Bosch sort of uh, side piece wings where I think Anthony Parker was like the straw that stirred the drink in a lot of ways when he was on the team. And people should like Anthony Parker more. I remember putting him like hilariously high in my first ever ranking every Raptor just to make a point. I think I've adjusted it recently, but I was like, this guy's clearly the 11th best Raptor, obviously. What are we talking about? Um, but yeah, Anthony Parker's a good one. Um, I mean, I got my boy like Omar Cook and some of the weird dudes who played like five games at the end of the season and 55 lost seasons and all that, but we don't have to really spend too much time. On Omar Cook necessarily but that's a great question Eric thank you for sending it in Uh, let's get one more in here Katie Uh, let's go with this one this one comes from at Zeke Raps fan who asks what do you think about Justin Champagny's future and upside Rondé Hollis Jefferson PJ Tucker John Collins I think John Collins is a very lofty goal because John Collins rocks but uh, where are you at with Justin Champagny and his potential sort of long-term player archetype
3: Oh, let's throw PJ Tucker into that last question, too, because oh, clearly yeah. I just blanked on that. And PJ Tucker, one of my favorite Raptors, Fly of all time. In the red one eye. of my favorite players of all time. But
2: yeah, flying the red eye after getting traded to the Raptors, uh, not sleeping at all, playing against the Celtics on mm-hmm. no sleep and ripping the ball from Isaiah Thomas's hand like a little baby in that first game as he shut him down and the Raptors beat the Celtics without Kyle Lowry. To start that really fun stretch where DeMar, Surge and P.J. Tucker kind of carried the team. Uh, that was wonderful. Shout out to P.J. Tucker. That guy rocks. Um, but anyway, back to the Justin Champagny comparison question. Uh, mm-hmm. Who you got for like, what can Justin Champagny be one day?
3: I don't like, there's nothing wrong with these comparisons, but I don't mm-hmm. feel they quite fit with Justin Champagne. I don't think Champagne. any of these
2: hit for me, no. Just yeah. in terms
3: of, honestly, I would say just in terms of like energy and effort and like also potential of where he can kind of fit in now.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
3: Like I know, like I, these, all these guys are great. They obviously Mm -hmm. filled really different roles, but I think Champagne, you kind of want him to be a weird spark plug for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You kind of want him to be this kind of, Like you want him to do exactly what he did in that game against OKC where unfortunately the last shot did not count, but you want him to come in and just be kind of wily on defense. Mm -hmm. You want him to try and like make some really awkward shots, which obviously he seems to be very comfortable with. Um, I think it's just like he can be (laughs) it's like he he wanted you want him to be like the on the closing squad. But you don't. Maybe you don't want him to be the last shot, you know. But there is still sure. like a balance of like you want him around in that time. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know where I would like. What's a good comp? Like this is a little tricky because I feel. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the players that you could add to, like maybe you, if you had like Delon Wright on this list or Norman Powell, are now players that are no longer with the team because they reach a point. Mm-hmm of comparison Mm -hmm. and then they are traded away yeah (laughs) you know
2: (laughs) yeah yeah um so for champagne i have a guy in mind he's a difficult guy to classify because in college he was like a shooting guard wing type Mm -hmm. the nba they seem to be kind of branding him as like a power forward small ball five even though he's like six foot six six foot seven he's not a huge guy but he's like so positionally sound that he kind of Mm -hmm. makes it work so i'm thinking of like tweeners and also like if we're thinking about like upsides and ways that he could kind of expand his game i mean he was like a very high sort of usage offensive player at Pitt. like he was their top scorer he was the hub of their offense and so i'm trying to think of guys who maybe kind of had mostly a career where they were sort of you know low impact like just kind of reliable guys who can fill in your bench or you know can be a spot starter and you're okay with it but have that sort of random potential to kind of pop off and i have a weird one for you katie but I think it works. You remember Carl Landry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Carl Landry uh, played for the Rockets and the Kings and the, the Hornets and the Kings again and the Warriors for a year. Didn't have like a terribly like enormous statistical career. 10, 11 points a game, five, five boards a game. Very respectable career for Carl Landry. Was on some decent teams, was on some not so good teams. But one year when he was playing for uh, a mix of the Rockets and Kings, He averaged himself uh, 18 points a game. No, 17 points a game for the year, along with six boards. Like, maybe there's a random year where Justin Champagny pops off and averages 14 a game or something like that. It does the Carl Landry, when mostly he's going to be kind of a lower usage bench piece. That's one. And I think the other one, I've kind of already mentioned it this week, is Daniel Tice. Like, prime Daniel Mm -hmm. Tice, which is specifically against the Raptors in that playoff series in the bubble, where... He was just like very low usage, but very sound positionally and could stand in the corner and knock down a three or two a game that completely changed the ball game. That to me is kind of like a, a pretty reasonable thing for a small ball big to kind of strive to be, even if it's unsexy. You got to have Daniel Tyses in the world. The whole world. That's a weird thing to say, but uh, <laughs> the world needs <laughs> Daniel Tyses, I suppose. Are either of those comps at all uh, working for you, Katie?
3: I don't necessarily like the Tice one as much okay. just because, I again, I think that um, Champagne, thus far, has shown he's got a lot more speed and versatility, sure. I think, than sure. Tice. Than at least, like, what we were afforded of Tice.
0: Sure.
3: Um yeah, they're, they're, they're okay. They're close. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not the worst thing. Like, I think, like, to me, it's always, like, not to remember. It's not the worst thing if a comp doesn't immediately come to mind. To me, that's yeah. actually kind of a good thing i know it breaks Mm -hmm. our basketball brain sometimes but i (laughs) definitely think if you can't immediately think of someone that's good it means you're seeing something new to you
2: yeah yeah i think that's great uh that's a really well well put point that said carl landry i I, i'm (laughs) doing the work and pulling carl landry out of my bag and i'm gonna (laughs) use that as my comp for the rest of time, even if it holds no water whatsoever. Uh, Thank you for the question, Zeke Raps fan. And that is going to bring us to the end of today's show. Katie Heindel, thank you so much for being here. It was a blast, as always, to chat with you. Anything you would like to promote for the good people out there?
3: No, man. Um, You can read (laughs) Basketball Feelings uh, at basketballfeelings.com. Sure, I'll plug the podcast. We had a We, I... (laughs) had an episode this week uh, with Haley O'Shaughnessy of uh, Spincers. It's pretty fun, I think. Um, I'll plug our other podcast, uh, Basketball. We had a new episode out this week where we spiraled a little bit, you and I, but we came oh, back yeah. as we it's always good, do. Good, good spiraling,
2: yeah. Do <laughs> where
3: wherever you get your pods. Um, yeah, how's that? Yeah. That's good.
2: That's a good plug. Yeah, go uh, subscribe to Basketball Feelings. Give Katie your money, would you? Damn it. Um, And uh, yeah, that will do it for today's episode. You can find me at Sean. You can subscribe, follow, rate, review the podcast and all your favorite podcast apps for free. Also on YouTube, please subscribe on YouTube. We have a nice little bump of uh, subscribers this week, so continue that momentum going, please. That's very fun. We're pushing towards 1.4K, which is uh, nice. Uh, we'll be back again on Monday of course the Raptors uh, I think take on the Warriors tomorrow in front of a, a lesser capacity at the arena and so we'll break that game down likely with our pal Vivek Jacob and then on Tuesday Jamar Hines will be back on the show to uh, do a podcast that I actually put, plug my mic in for this time I promise we'll break down the game against the Magic that's going down on Monday night and then we'll figure out the rest of the week after that planning seems like a silly thing to do these days Katie so we'll leave it there but uh, again thank you as always for listening have a wonderful weekend if you're doing holiday stuff please be safe out there is terrifying and uh it's, be safer than sorrier that's how I think you should live I don't know we'll talk to you again on Monday have a good weekend everyone bye bye
3: hey prime members.